Well, welcome everyone. Um, thank you for coming to, the, to this seminar. Sorry if you don't have any, a seat to sit on, but there are three seats at the front. I'm not doing a stand-up comedy act, so if you come and sit at the front, I'm not going to pick on you, okay? So um, that's, that's up to you. Um, but yeah, welcome. Do open a window if you need a bit of fresh air. Um, my name's Stuart Parker. I'm going to be doing this um, seminar on singleness, and Anna's going to be sharing a little bit of her testimony along the way. Um, we'll make sure that we're done by 2.45, um, because that's when you've got your break time. So um, we're going to be looking at two particular questions today. Firstly, what does the Bible say about singleness? And how can I live for God as a single person? So that's our two kind of big questions. And we'll have Anna's story sort of halfway in between. There'll hopefully be a bit of time for questions as well. So this seminar is particularly directed at single people. But if you happen to be married, well, you're very welcome because part of making the church welcoming to single people is that everyone in the church is really, makes it really inclusive for all. A little bit about myself. I'm an elder at Hope Church in Guildford. So you've heard from Chris Kambangi this morning. Um, he works, he's based, he's the lead pastor at Hope Church in Guildford and I'm an elder there as well. I also lead a ministry called True Freedom Trust. And uh, we've got a bit of literature here, a bit about getting involved. Um, there's some recommended resources, some books about singleness in there. And that's our sort of quarterly magazine. And although it's not the focus of this seminar, um, what our ministry does is it particularly seeks to uh, teach what the Bible says and to encourage people who have same-sex attractions. And so many of our members at True Freedom Trust are called to celibacy because um, a marriage to a, someone of the opposite sex wouldn't work for them. And so that's why part of the reason that I've been asked to do this seminar on singleness. It's a little bit about what my own experience of singleness is. I'm actually now married, but for 20 years as an adult, I was single. So I've only been married for 10 years. I've got plenty of experience what it's like to be a single person in a church. And I remember one time before I was part of Hope Church, I remember in my early 30s, um, I'd been part of the sort of 20s and 30s social group and we did great stuff together, really enjoyed that. And then the leadership at that time sort of rejigged it so that it was only for students in 20s. And I was like in my early 30s at that point. I remember it being really painful sort of being excluded from that ministry because I wasn't young enough to be a single person anymore but I was still single. So that's kind of that experience and other things of, I suppose maybe have a real heart to make sure that our churches are really welcoming and inclusive for single people of whatever age and life stage. So who are single? Who are the single people in this country? Well, actually 40% of the UK adult population are single. Um, it's a very normal thing and that might be those who would like to be, mar be married but aren't yet married or you know someone might be happily unmarried and just like well that just suits them. Um, celibate gay Christians so Anna as I said will share a little bit about her story. It might be someone who has a particular call to mission and actually for them being single is really going to help with that. And then later in life people who perhaps had been married might find themselves single again because they were widowed or divorced so singleness can, can happen at any age. 
I remember my old boss saying, well, actually, for Christians, the word singleness doesn't really apply anymore. Um, the Bible doesn't talk about singleness. The Bible talks about married or unmarried. But actually, um, when, we're, when we're following Jesus, we're part of the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12 says, we're all baptised by one spirit into one body. So although we might not have like a spouse life partner, we're a family. So singleness isn't really the right word, even if you're unmarried, um, to describe life as a Christian anymore. So um, I don't know if you could maybe just open that window, just get a bit of air in here, that'd be great. Um, thank you. So the first question we'll look at today, is the Bible positive about singleness? And it's actually not quite as straightforward as it might seem. How does the Bible get from, in the first chapter, a massive emphasis on getting married and having children, go forth and multiply, to 1 Corinthians 7, we'll have a little bit more look at in detail later, where Paul writes, well, actually, I wish that, I wish you all were like me, unmarried. What's going on there? So we'll have a look. We'll start the Old Testament and work our way through. Genesis 12, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I'll give this land. And in a few chapters later, look towards heaven and number the stars, so will your offspring be. So there's a big emphasis in these promises in the Old Testament on getting married and having children, essentially. And that was really important for a time. Moses in Deuteronomy 28 lists out uh, land, livestock, and children as being three great symbols of blessing from God. And so you might be thinking, well, I don't, I'm not married and I can't get on the housing ladder and I don't have any kids. So, you know, is God withholding his blessing from me? What's going on with that? But the Old Testament has a particular focus for a particular time on continuing the line and filling the land. But just looking at the Old Covenant, this is before Jesus, there's really no mention of singleness. There's the odd person like Jeremiah who has kind of this, is kind of the exception to the rule. You know, he's, he's kind of given a particular sort of remit to be um, a loner essentially on his own for a purpose. But marriage is the norm. Everyone expects to get married. Well, is this still the norm today? When we get to the New Testament, how does the New Testament open? Matthew 1, we kind of think, okay, the first chapter of the Gospels, surely they're gonna start with a miracle or the words of Jesus. Well, no, they start with a genealogy. It's like a family tree. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What's all that about? And this is the genealogy to end all genealogies. It traces the line all the way through from those initial promises to Abraham, all the way through to Jesus, showing that God has fulfilled that promise ultimately in Jesus. Jesus is, is the ultimate offspring. That promise, you know, we know our God is a promise keeper and he's kept it in Jesus. And the work is done. You know, that great work of the Jewish people to keep the line going until Jesus 
was born and fulfilled that promise, that work is done. And from now on, be fruitful and multiply. It's not really about getting a, a spouse and having children. It has more of a spiritual sense to it. God calls us to have spiritual children, which we'll come back to later. So that's a little bit of the sort of movement through the Bible. But what does the Bible say specifically about singleness? I mentioned 1 Corinthians 7, a famous passage. St. Paul, single man himself, is writing to the Corinthian church and he says, I would like you to be free from concern, Corinthians. An unmarried man, and he talks similarly about unmarried women in the same chapter. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. So Paul commends the single life and says, perhaps it's an even higher calling than marriage. He's unreservedly positive about it. And does Jesus speak about singleness? Well, he certainly talks about family. He was sat around in Mark 3, sat around and his people from his blood family came and said, oh, Jesus, we need you to come, come over here and we've got some stuff to say to you. But Jesus looked at those seated in the circle around him and he said, here, here in the church, these are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And later in Mark 10, he extends this to talking about children. So he's saying, actually, these are our family in, in the new covenant is, is more about spiritual connections. So whereas once upon a time, to be part of the God's nation, you, you need to be kind of, it was about your ancestry and genealogy. Now, you're adopted Gentiles. You are, you're all welcome into God's family. It's a spiritual adoption. It's not about kind of descent. So likewise, family has a wider sense and we don't necessarily need to get married and have children. We, when we're Christians, we're kind of part of this family now. So a different shift, a shift of emphasis really. So this is, do you remember our table earlier? Old covenant not really mentioning singleness, big emphasis on be fruitful and multiply. We're now in the new covenant, now that Jesus has come, massive emphasis on singleness. It's a high calling, Paul says. Jesus, Paul, great, great kind of people of the faith single themselves. Yes, marriage is a good thing, but it's no longer the only way to be. And then if we look beyond that, the new creation, the Bible talk, gives us some hints about what it's going to be like in the life to come. Mark 12, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. So when we get to the new creation, new heavens and a new earth, we won't be married to one another like we know in this life. That will kind of have passed. Singleness probably isn't the right word, but we'll all be unmarried and collectively we'll be betrothed and united then to Christ. That's what Revelation talks about. That's kind of be the emphasis and then so marriage will kind of have had its, as we know it, will have kind of had its time. And then the bride of Christ, the whole of us in the church will be united to him. So can you see the, the sort of shift? Um, marriage is a good thing, but it's kind of, it's gonna fade in the way that we know it. 
So that's a little bit of a bit of a sort of whistle stop tour through the Bible. What I'd like to do now is just invite Anna to come up and I've just got a few questions for her about her own story. So Anna, do you want to just thank you for coming to share and do you want to just start, start off by telling us how you came to know God? Um, so I've grown up in the church all my life. Um, when I was about five, I became a Christian. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I did come away from gods and turn away from that when I was about 19 but well when I was a teenager and then I came back to God when I was about 19 um uh, some of the things that made me want to turn away from God one the main one was when I realized I was gay um and uh I really and I ended up choosing to be celibate um and then I told my church and my family on the same day <laughs> um, and they were actually okay with it um, but I told them when I was 19 and I came back to God. Thank you and so why are you celibate? Um, I did a lot of praying, meditating and reading the Bible and it kind of came down to the fact that I would either be celibate and with God or acting upon my same-sex attraction and against God. Thank you. And what are your, what would you say are the sort of main negatives, positives about being single? Um, the negatives are definitely like, it can be really lonely sometimes. Um, like I had a plan to have a family and stuff and that might not happen. But like a lot of my friends have families and uh, like I have a lot of friends with couples. Um, and obviously if you go onto like Netflix and stuff, there are lots of couple everyone's like um at the end of every series everyone's dating <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's probably the biggest negative there's no like no one there's no like tv series that's like go singleness mm. um but then i read romans 12 and i think about just how small this lifetime is in comparison to eternity and how awesome god is um, but then the biggest positive is probably like there are so many good things about being single like and you me I'm supposed to have more time being single means that I'm supposed to have more time for studying which I don't do but <laughs> I do have more time but so yeah um, I have so much more time for friends um, I have more time to like I mean I look to God when I'm struggling and in times of trial and I don't look to people, which for me, that's like a really big thing. So I'm able to go to God with everything. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And what's it like when maybe a friend that you've been close with finds themselves a boyfriend or girlfriend and then naturally just spends less time with you? How do you deal with that? Um, sometimes it can feel really lonely. Um, and especially when my friends get into like new relationships, a lot of them who have been in relationships longer, um, they still spend like similar amount of time with me. Um, but when they're like in a very new stage of relationship, they're like, I've got a boyfriend, I've got a boyfriend, like all that. It's new and exciting. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's really important like to have lots of, for me as a single person, to have lots of different friendships and different friendship groups so that 
like you get to experience different things with different people and everybody experiences God differently um, and sees God through their own eyes and worships differently and has conversations differently and you get to hang out with people differently so like I have one group of friends they just love playing board games all the day, time one friend we just go and get coffee all the time that's all we do I'm addicted to coffee <laughs> <laughs> and I have one group of friends um, we just dance in my room all the time and so like we every friendship you get something completely different out of it and I'm so blessed to have these friendships in my life um, but none of them are exactly the same and so I think the more friends that you surround yourself with that God puts you in your life the better equipped you are to handle people having other people in their lives and what was it like for you when you first realised that you might need to be single for the rest of your life? Oh, it was awful. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing up I had this amazing plan that I thought everyone did of like, you know, you get married, you have a family, you have a dog, <laughs> you have a house, you have a job. None of those things worked out. When I graduate, I'm getting a dog. <laughs> it's the one thing that I can keep. <laughs> Because, uh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I I don't know um, if I'm ever going to have a family. I don't know if I'm ever going to have kids. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to get a house. Like, <laughs> I don't know what God has planned for me. Um, but I know that it's going to be really awesome. Because he's in charge. Um, and I don't understand what he's going to have. He hasn't told me what I'm going to do. It would be really great if he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know he has full control and I know that whatever he does is going to be amazing and I'm really blessed to have God in my life. Mm, thank you. Last question. Um, so how, for you as a single person, having some depth in your friendships must be really important. How do you make sure that they're really meaningful, your friendships. Okay. Um, I don't think that was on the last thing. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, I, I don't... Okay, so um, I try and um, make sure that I put Jesus at the front and centre of every friendship especially if the person I'm being friends with is a Christian, but also if, if they're not Christian. Um, I try and treat my friends like Jesus would have treated his friends. So that's like, um, I, I just love people how Jesus would love them. Um, for example, like two weeks ago, my friend um, called me up crying and she was a 45 minute walk away. So I walked that 45 minutes to give her a hug. <laughs> and um, that's, I think it's important to treat people, um, that way just because, like, not, like, I mean, I'm not saying go walk 45 minutes to give your friend a hug. Um, my feet really hurt after that. <laughs> but, um, do what you can to make your friends know that you love them. Treat people how, um, Jesus and the apostles treated, um, their friends and do what you can to love your neighbours. Thank you so much, Anna. Really welcome uh, your testimony.
you. Good. Okay. Um, so we've looked a bit about what the Bible says about singleness. We've heard from Anna. And then second question, how can I live for God in my singleness? So kind of practically, well, there's some positives about singleness. Uh, like Paul says, a single person can live undivided in their um, devotion to the Lord, live more flexibly. Like Anna says, you can kind of stay up till midnight with your friends and so forth. Um, but it's that balance, isn't it, between having that flexibility, um, but, but not just using one singleness to, um, to, be, to have one's life revolve around myself, but to uh, offer that to others, to offer that to God. So I think a single person's got that, got that sort of spiritual choice, whether to become self-absorbed or to become, or to use their singleness to serve God more wholeheartedly. But let's face it, singleness has some challenges as well. And I've just kind of grouped them under six headings. I'm gonna run through these um, fairly quickly. I've got loneliness, various things about facing life alone, lack of children, church, certain events and dates that come up, social media. So I'm gonna sort of rattle through a few thoughts I've got on these things, but feel free to come back to them when we've got questions afterwards. So loneliness, this can be the big thing that people are particularly concerned about with um, singleness. And like Anna said, investing in meaningful friendships is a really good thing to do and spending time going the extra mile, um, Taking, taking time to sort of really care for people and listen to people is a good thing. Um, Jesus spent lots of quality time with his disciples, didn't he? I do think Jesus was a lonely person, despite his singleness. Um, get some housemates. I remember I'd always desired to be married. And one of the things I said to myself was, while I'm a single person, I'm not going to live alone. And, you know, you might live alone for, for whatever reason. And I'm not judging you because of that. But actually just living with other people can be a good way just to get some contact with others. Persevering with friends. There's lots of things in friendships, aren't there, that can be disheartening. And you can kind of think, well, I'm got, I got a bit burnt with that person. I'm going to kind of keep my distance a little bit. But the Bible is full of examples of tricky relationships, misunderstandings, people being, you know, doing bad things to one another. Um, but we're looking at as a church at the book of 2 Corinthians at the moment and Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church it's kind of it's pretty painful but he keeps soldiering on he keeps going even though people have let him down people say bad things behind his back and he loves them and he and he presses on with them so do do keep going with friendships they're not easy it can be easier just to kind of wall ourselves off but it's good to get to stay connected with people and just one really practical way, if you don't think you're really getting to know people well in your church, I just encourage you to join a serving team. There's a different quality of relationship that comes when you've got each other's back, you know, you're kind of facing the youth on a Thursday evening or something together. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I trust you because you've been through that with me. And it's kind of a bit different to just sort of sharing a coffee on a Sunday morning. So that's loneliness. Um, facing life alone, in a society that's geared up to couples, there can be all sorts of challenges. And it might be 
you know, you just don't feel like you're very good at DIY or you're good at DIY, but you're not any good with the finances or you go to the shop and all the food is like for two for one offers. And you think, well, I, I don't want the two for one because the second one will go out of date um, before I eat it. So that the whole, you know, or, or you ever try to book a hotel room for one, you pay the same as you do for two people. It's, it's rubbish, isn't it? Um, but there's some good, you know, there's some, there's some good things that we can do. I, I would say before, before we look at those practical things, you know, let's just focus on our relationship with God. Let's deepen our spirituality because um, the Psalms, for example, are full of examples of people like David crying out in their solitude and their isolation and finding, finding uh, sort of satisfaction and peace in their relationship with God. So that's a great place to start. Cultivate a depth of spirituality. Read your Bible and pray, but can you do it with other people? I just have a WhatsApp group I have with a few other guys and we go through a Bible reading plan together and we try to put something on there each day and we meet up occasionally, but there's some, something about doing it um, together, which is, which is good. Um, then the more practically speaking, you know, can you offer your skills or services? Maybe you're the person who's got the car, you know, and your friends don't, well, you could give them a lift to the shop. And while you're there, you know, you could both get those two for one offers and you have <laughs> one and I have the other one and we're both, we're all happy. So um, there you go, practical things. But that's what it often comes down to. It's these little things, isn't it? Doing life together doing a joint holiday. Holiday, it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. You know, it could be just finding someone else that's got a house and doing a house swap with a few friends and just um, doing something together. It's good to initiate something. Often if you propose something, others will get on board with it. And they think, thank you very much for doing that because I, I felt alone as well. Okay, so that's facing life alone. Lack of children. Um, I've got two young children myself and I love it when other people in the church come and give me an evening off for reading a bedtime story or something. So um, if you're single, I'd really encourage you to befriend families in the church and get involved with their children. Get it, you know, get, get stuck in and, and, um, and get involved. Adopt some spiritual children. What I mean by that is you know, they might be actual children or they might be sort of young adults that are kind of a little bit behind where you are in your walk with God. Can we look to encourage others? So when Paul writes to Timothy in 1 and 2 Timothy, he writes to, my, to Timothy, my son, and it's not like he had the same DNA. He wasn't related to Timothy, but in Jesus, he kind of, he invested in this young man and he disciples him and tries to encourage him to keep going. And we can do that. We can kind of have children, um, whatever age we are, of someone who's kind of needs some encouragement in their faith. It's good to do that. Um, there's some research I was looking at that said actually children, you know, kids growing up in the church need maybe to have a really good chance of them becoming Christians and maturing in their faith. They need a, about seven godly adults to be investing in them. So we can't just leave parenting to parents. We all in the church need to be investing in the young youngsters in our churches. 
So your families need you. Okay, church can be hard. I know some single people don't go to church because it's painful. Who am I going to, you know, will anyone sit with me? Who will talk to me in coffee after the service? Everything seems to revolve around families in the church, that sort of thing. Um, that can be hard. I feel judged when I go to church. One thing I would say, I mean, I'm an introvert, so I find this hard. But if I can be the person who looks out for new people and welcomes them in and is like, hey, welcome to our church. Can I come and sit with me? Uh, that's a good way of kind of changing that mentality of will anyone come and sit with me to, hey, come and sit with me. Come and join me for the service. Um, Romans 12 says practice hospitality and hospitality I think in our culture has become too much of a fancy thing hospitality really just means sharing our lives so you might think well I I don't have the space for a dinner party well that's not really what hospitality is hospitality might just be hey come round we'll have a cup of tea let's go for a coffee um, I can do a toasted cheese sandwich or something come and join me for that or even if you don't have anywhere to sort of bring people to. It could just be, hey, why don't we all go out to have a meal out next Thursday evening or something? You, you've initiated something, you've welcomed people in, you've, you've tried to share life with other people. That's hospitality. We can all do that. Okay, weddings, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, these sorts of things. Um, Anna and I are both part of a support group in Guildford for mainly group of single people and uh, one of the members of that group recently posted something saying I'm at a wedding please pray for me and I think what she meant was you know I'm a single person at a wedding here's yet another couple going off into apparent wedded bliss and this is a, and I'm and I'm trying to put this smile on and I feel really sad um, and I completely get that and we and we really need to kind of um, you know, support people when, when that's painful for them. But um, this is a good book, um, Chasing Contentment. It's, it's basically f talking about finding peace and contentment and satisfaction in deepening our spiritual walk with God. Because actually, if we can, if we can know that we're fully in God's love and he completely loves us as we are, we can find a peace and a contentment right now whether we're single or married, have kids, you know, don't have a job, have a job. We can, we can be content because we know that God has us where he wants us. That's a good thing to do. And then the practical suggestion is just, hey, you know, on or around something like Valentine's Day, why not just say, hey, why, why don't you all come around? Yeah, friends come around for us for a board game evening or something. So that it's kind of something rather than feeling alone okay last one social media um can't it be really it can be really depressing can't it scrolling through lots of pictures of perfect couples in perfect places being perfect and we all know that it's a lie but it can be it can depress us all so the only suggestion i've really got is just don't you know just don't bother just don't look at them because for because it's not really happening anyway they're not really that happy <laughs> Yeah. Just don't let them know that you've done it. Um, so there we go. There's, there's some challenges and some thoughts. Just to summarise, and then we'll have some questions. As Christians, we're all betrothed to Jesus. This is the ultimate relationship. 
and we're adopted into God's family, so we're together. Uh, let's make that more part of our mentality and less of the sort of Hollywood t couples going into the sunset. Um, singleness is at least as high a calling as marriage, and we as the church are to be, you know, whether we're single or married, we are to be the f a family for single people. So I hope that's been helpful. Um, I know that's been quite a rush through, um, but if you've got any questions on what we've covered or anything else on singleness, Anna's and myself are happy to, to field them. We've got, we've got a few minutes now if you've got any thoughts you'd like to put to us. Hi. Yeah, it's a great question. How do you deepen friendships and have, how do you face rejection? Um, have you got any thoughts on that, Anna? Rejection, try and pray. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, deepen friendships. Um, just, I don't know, talk. <laughs> it sounds really basic, but just talk. Have those deep conversations. Spend more time with people, and yeah, um, ask those deep questions that no one wants to ask. <laughs> have those conversations. Just go. Can we can we have a really deep conversation that you're probably gonna feel uncomfortable about? But like, can we can we have like a discussion that's gonna be really um, deep? And it, yeah. Talk. Yeah, and um, I think I think it's really important we say about you know when pain comes in fr in relationships as they will do, we have a choice to harden ourselves and to push people away or to cry, pray, get support, and open ourselves up again to to pain because any relationship will always there will always be rocky times, but um, if we if we allow ourselves to become bitter, uh, that's not gonna help us. So yeah, just working that through with God, with trusted friends is a good thing to do. And um, the only thing I'd add to what Anna said on deepening friendships, talking is great, but also, like I said before, doing something together. Um, I think men often find this is good, you know, kind of serving together, having each other's back. You find that actually through time, you kind of really, you, you kind of, you, you have to trust each other and that deepens the friendship. Okay. Anything else? Hi. Um, if, say you're like an introvert or you've just got a really busy job and you don't have loads of like social energy mm. at the end of the day, yeah. like deep and friends up for chat mm. or play board games and stuff, how yeah. would you suggest like having meaningful friendships and relationships if you're just like burnt out? Yeah, that is hard, isn't it? When you've kind of got a, you've got a long hours and you're just, you're not naturally going to get energy from being with other people. How do you do that? It might be that f for you, you've got to find a time in your day or your week where you're not entirely spent. So, you know, so you, you know, I don't know if kind of meeting up for a coffee before work or, or arranging to have lunch with someone would work or, or saying, well, let's do it at the weekend or, or even, or even kind of, do I need to have a look at my commitments so that I've got a little bit more energy 
in my life or if I'm just if completely spent in the week, how can I maximise um, building these friendships in, in holiday time perhaps? So yeah, it's, it's tricky, but there are different, I'm, I'm not very good in the evenings, I'm a bit worn out in the evenings, um, but I, I do say to people, well, should we meet up? You know, I've got, I've got a bit of a, I've got a lunch hour, maybe we'll meet up then. Yeah. Hi. Um, as a Christian, would you say um, it's healthy to actively seek a relationship, or would you say it's best to kind of, a lot of people are like, oh, wait and see what happens, kind of thing. Do you think that any of those are... Yeah, I would say the answer to your question is yes. It's, it's fine to actively seek a relationship, because even, even though what I've said about singleness being a great calling, marriage is also great. And that is God's pattern for one man and one woman to be together for life. That is a great thing. And that points to the union of Christ and the church. So that's a great thing. And it's good to pursue that. And other, some of the other stuff that I didn't put up about from 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is saying, yeah, if you really desire marriage, if that's kind of important, then, then go for it. But don't make it an idol. So... You know, he talks a lot in that in that chapter about the time is short. You know, there's kind of this. It's not all about wedded bliss and then living this perfect life in Instagram. That's just a mirage because actually this 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 life is passing away, and we need to be investing in the future sort of thing. It's not wrong to pursue marriage, but Paul is basically saying, look, if you're married, fine. If you're not married, just just stay single and. Uh, don't let that become the big thing in your life. Yeah. What do you say to someone who's like still single, but like really, really wants a relationship and sort of like values that above everything else and like can't seem to think about like their self-worth as a single person um, and just like want to be in a relationship? Focus on your self-worth before getting into a relationship because that will be an unhealthy relationship that you get into. Yeah, so if anyone, if anyone didn't hear the question, it was basically if, if someone puts having a relationship above everything else, what should you say to them? And you're right, Anna, that, that that's become problematic because it's become, you know, a good thing. A rela- having a relationship has become like a God thing. It's become the big thing in that person's life. And so if they're a Christian, you, you might, if you have a good, you know, good rapport with them, you might tactfully sort of say, well, has this big thing become too big in your life? Because it doesn't really do them any good because they're not going to find any satisfaction in their current state. And probably when they get the relationship, it's probably not going to live up to this ideal. What a great idea and great for, I don't know if you're an introvert, but for someone who maybe doesn't have that many words left at the end of the day or, or, yeah. Yeah, just doing something together, yeah. And even just if you're just running with someone or playing um, a game, you're still connecting. You're still you're still building relationship, aren't you? Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you. Hi. As yourself, someone who's got into relationship later on, mm. having kids later on in life, mm. and generationally, maybe our parents who had, say, my parents had their got married early, early 20s, kids by mid-20s, and now generationally, people having relationships later on. We hear a lot 
stories about young families, but not sort of having families later on or getting mm. in full uh, relationships further on in life. Mm. What pros and cons or what things have you learned about getting into a serious relationship later on in life rather than early, say, in your early 20s? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And sometimes I sort of think, oh, would it have been nice to have been married and have children earlier in life? I might have had more energy for my children. Uh, they're quite tiring. <laughs> but, um, but no, I don't, I don't have regrets. I think, I think God can work in both circumstances. So I think for me, you know, I've had all that time as a single person. I have a, perhaps a more of an understanding than many married people do of what it's like to be single. Um, but, you know, people who get married younger, I think, I think it's, I think sometimes in Christian circles, people can get married very young because it becomes the solution to their purity struggles. And Paul does say in 1 Corinthians 7, look, if you burn with passion, get married. So it's not like that's wrong, but um, equally, you know, leaving it till later means that you might have certain ministry opportunities for a time. Some people kind of, you know, spend their 20s, 30s doing mission and so forth, but then time might come for them to get married. So it's hard to sort of, there are no right and wrongs. You know, God, God um, can work in both situations and, and God can work through someone who's single their whole life as well. Um, but that, that, yeah, I, other than just saying that there's, there's pros and cons, I don't think there's really any biblical principles that I would want to bring on that to that question. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it can, it can, um, in terms of family, um, church, cultural pressures, they can increase as you get older. So, you know, for me, finding. I was still single in my mid-30s. Like I said, I was kind of, I felt a little bit sidelined at church. I know my mum was looking forward to having grandchildren and there was kind of, she put it nicely, but there was that sort of pressure sort of thing. And, um, and that's, that's, that can be quite hard. And I, th I think in some cultures that can be even stronger than other, than, than other cultures. Um, so that's hard, but um, sometimes we've, we've just got to say to people, look, um, you know, God's calling me to this, to this time of singleness and, and not to let those, those pressures or judgments get to you. And that, but that can be really hard. I get that. Um, but I think, I think part of the solution is that we as the church, you know, the, the broader church, we need to be more positive and more biblical about singleness. Because I think the church rightly defends the institution of marriage, but it probably doesn't put enough emphasis on the, the great calling, the dignity and the value of singleness. And so through the generations, people are kind of making this, all these assumptions of, Oh, well, you know, when are you going to get married? You know, don't you realise time's ticking and all these sorts of things, uh, which aren't really helpful and not, not really biblical. So I think, I think one thing we can do is to actually go back to people and say, let's look at what the Bible says about marriage and singleness.
because let's let's live biblical lives. Yeah. Hi, Deborah. Um, you kind of like alluded to like sexual purity and stuff. Yeah. How, like, do you have any experience or advice in like how as Christians we can and single Christians as well support each other in that? Because realistically, I think there are probably a lot of single people who are like, oh, I've waited for a long time, so now I'm going to be like fluid in my standards of sexual purity. Essentially, mm. like, I guess, do you have any advice or experience on how to like open up that conversation? among Christians so we can support each other? Yeah, what a great question, Deborah. How can we kind of support one another with sexual purity? Because um, it's a very, yeah, it's a challenging thing. It can, there can be, yeah, a lot of struggle, a lot of shame, a lot of isolation. And I think part of the solution is exactly what you say, is talking to trusted friends and not feeding any sense of shame and realising, you know, we... We all struggle with sexual purity um, and accountability can be helpful. So having some, some close friends to whom you have a mutual accountability that you say, you know, I've got a friend that I meet up with every month in Guildford and he asks me, you know, how, how is your, I can't remember the exact question, but basically we're, we are both married, but we still ask each other, you know, you staying pure, um, in your thought life and your and your activity and so forth, that's a good thing to do. That sort of checking up. There's there's obviously things out there for internet blocking, like Covenant Eyes, which are good. Um, and yeah, I think there's something about maybe men's and women's groups at churches which have a value about this. I think when men group meet together or women meet together and it feels safe, I think that conversation can open up more rather than just people just feeling like, oh, everyone, nobody else struggles like I do sort of thing. Um, I don't know, Anna, if you've got anything to add? Yeah, so um, there are um, a bunch of Bible studies that you can do on this. Um, it's one of these subjects that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's a really big topic, especially around our age group, um, that we do need to talk about and I mean, at my university, we have accountability partners for this kind of thing. Um, I'm in a group of four of us and we always check on each other for um, somebody struggling with porn addiction, somebody struggling with, um, uh, I'm struggling with SSA. Like we're all uh, dealing with different things. Um, and so we are currently doing a course um, in like us four on, it's like based off of, you know, the. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous 12 Steps and so they've interpreted that into a Christian one I don't know what it's called <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry Google it that one yeah the steps course and um, so we're working off of that and we're all being accountable to each other um, it works best if you do it in men and women's groups but if you can't it's absolutely fine um, because honestly, it's one boy and three girls doing it in our group. So, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Great. Thank you for your questions. We've um, come to the end of our time. If you would like to pick up um, uh, Ascend magazine, is the True Freedom Trust quarterly magazine. We've got also some recommended reading books. That's got stuff on purity, singleness and so forth. We'll hand some of those out at the end. 
Um, thanks for coming, and I uh, hope you have a good break. <laughs>